And if you listen to me for any length of time, you realize I, I coach not being transactional. So if you run one campaign and there's results from that campaign and you pick up the phone and you get jobs and, and that's it, it'll track that very well. If you're doing brand building properly, the client should see you eight or 10 times in different places. And so that where did you hear about us gets a little fuzzy, but I still implore you to ask for it and then write down what they say, because that's the thing that's top of mind. But know that they've seen you in five other places if you're doing your job. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. My name is Joe Kowalski. I am your host. My co-host today is Adam from Training, and uh, we're going to be talking about drip campaigns in our feature focus today. But before we get to that, let's do some housekeeping with some Service Monster updates. Adam, what do we have? Well, uh, first off, I just want to say happy Pi Day out there for all you mathematicians, uh, 314. Whether your preferred pie is of the pizza variety or of that dessert, I uh, hope you guys are celebrating accordingly. Boom, boom, psh. I also wanted to uh, mention we had a hot fix that came out uh, just earlier today, actually, a few hours ago for our response bid users. There was an issue where the uh, Google events, when they were being updated, were uh, deleting rather than updating. And uh. So uh, Matt Anderson uh, did a quick, uh, quick fix there, and hot fix is out. <laughs> Also, uh, there was a little project, I'll let you kind of go more in detail, but a little project that David's working on for those uh, server issues that have been going on that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so um, we're hitting this on three fronts. So the first one is the actual current problem, which is this run-and-gate process that's crashing a server. It's got a five-minute window for hiccup, and then everything comes back online. So we've got monitoring on, and he's looking for that. We believe it to be an API user, that somebody learned them some coding and opened up a sheet and wrote a JavaScript to hammer our servers. We have... Uh, what what we call throttling mechanisms in place to, to block things like denial of service or what are typically called DNS attacks. Um, but it must be under that threshold. But it just happens just boom, like all of a sudden the server will receive a bunch of additional requests and that will crash one of the servers and then five minutes later it's all good. So we're going to put a couple things in place. Um, I don't want to go too technical on that particular front, but we're going to squish that one. Uh, we'll contact the offending API requester if that does indeed be the issue. It could be Service Monster too, right? It could be a client-side renegade process that just spins and then spams the service. So it could be our own <laughs> learned them some code and coder <laughs> dev, dev team people, and we just missed it, and it occasionally happens. So um, we'll keep you guys updated there. But the the, the, the next thing we are going to do um, is David is upgrading all of our servers. And so we have this mechanism where uh, we push the code to a server, and then it replicates itself. And then as we need more servers, they can replicate themselves. It usually takes between three and five minutes to fire those things up, though, which is why the delay when one of the server crashes. So once it recognizes that we need some more horsepower, can add it to the mix by adding one of the cloned machines. So he's updating the base clone. Um, I think we're on SQL Server 2000 
and 12, so that's fine, but the OS is on 08. So we can bring that up quite a bit. And um, the service that's running the web portion, which is called IIS, uh, we can bump that up quite a bit too. I think we're running a version or two um, previous. So we're going to be doing some maintenance. shouldn't affect you guys at all, um, but we're all in attempt to squish those times as much as possible. We also have turned on high-intensity logging. So any requests that take, I think we've got it set to over two seconds right now. Any requests that take over two seconds get logged in a special file that David could then go assign to an engineer to figure out what's taking so long. And it's usually a database query that we can tune or put some indexing on or something to make it much faster. So we're kind of focused firing on that. I told David uh, that's his number one priority right now until those log files support are clear. Very cool. All right, so I think, too, if we wanted to make just a quick update, why are we filming this on on Thursday rather than Friday this week, Joe? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot to talk about that. Um, Because I will not be here tomorrow. My wife and I are uh, attending another appointment for our would-be baby, um, our number six, born in May. So, uh, yeah, family first. Family first is right. And so if anyone who was expecting that uh, live stream, don't worry, we'll be back uh, next Friday. Yeah, the four people that will bug that had a question ready to go. (laughs) We'll keep streaming it, though. One is greater than zero, right? It's very true. That's right. So speaking of our loyal viewers, uh, let's go ahead and transition here into Smug. And uh, Alan actually wrote this week wondering about the kind of the Service Monster show and how that was was no longer and how this is kind of like a amalgamation, as you say. And so I just wanted to say first off, thank you, Alan, for the uh, for the uh, enjoyment of the show. Like, I do appreciate that a lot. And then second, you just kind of want to explain the uh, podcast, what this all kind of is and how we're going to set this up to help alleviate that. Yeah, I want to kind of probably do an actual podcast with Michael and bring him and have him sit as the co-host where we talk about our kind of strategies across the board. But um, in a nutshell, the show is no more and the ask is no more. So the ask came to a point where we did 75 episodes over almost two years, a little over two years. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, it was consistent. It was there. We had, you know, plenty of viewers in the core demographic, but there's only so much, so many topics that you can talk about before you start really repeating yourself. And I hate repeating myself. I mean, hate it <laughs> to the point where I wouldn't do any more shows and Justin couldn't drag me by my ear to the <laughs> desk. <laughs> so so while we were kind of reformulating that, I was watching the show and it was like, it's okay, it's informative, but there's no real interest there. And we saw the viewership starting to wane and just people got uninterested in both, I think, both those projects. Um And then something that we've seen come back now for its third life in a big way is podcasting. And so as a podcast, I think the format, it's great because it's more conversational and we can get deeper in our topics, right? We don't have to do that seven to 10 minute format that, and then we can film it too. So you get the piece, but here's the thing. We kind of smoosh the shows together. So you get some Joe love in front of the camera, which is what Justin always wants. (laughs) That's where he gets his fire. And then um, 
And then on top of that, you've got the show content, which is kind of the first five minutes, 10 minutes of the podcast. So here we are talking about smug. And at the end of the smug segments kind of closes out what would be the show. Corny jokes and everything. Pie day viewers. Yep. That's right. Um, And so that was kind of the format. Then from that point forward, instead of me talking about a question that, you know, in depth on business, we decided to start diving into our feature sets because there's just so much the service monster we could talk about them for a long time and we need this kind of base of why are these features important to business owners um you know it's it's not enough just to say well here's the button you've got to come at it like what's my goal okay i'll figure out and, and kind of play with it and then yeah if i have some hiccups or things i have to reimagine that's fine as long as i'm hitting the goal and so that's kind of the short version of that story Yep. And so uh, just to kind of uh, piggyback off of that, we're going to have timestamps and things like that for this, Alan. So if all you're interested in is that first kind of five, 10 minute segment, it'll be there. Listen to that. Hopefully you stick around for the whole thing, but you can get that kind of update at, at the beginning there. Yeah. And now it's a podcast first format, right? Which means that instead of taking a YouTube video and then throwing it on as a podcast and what the hell is he talking about? I can't see the visual that he's referring to. Um, here we're a little more in depth and we know that audio is our first format. So, you know, when we wink at the camera, it's only for that little extra layer of, uh, engagement, I guess you would say. Yeah. All right. So the uh, next thing actually came from uh, one of our support staff, uh, Brenda. She just wanted to let everyone know that there is an updated filter to a couple of her reports. So I just figured this would be a quick and easy way to shout out to her for her hard work and also just letting our users know. And so now there's four reports, income by date range, invoice totals by region, payments received, and order progress. All four of those reports you can now toggle between and filter residential and commercial. Nice. We have some of that on the dashboards, but the reports were were uh, missing that until now. So going from there, we had a post from Melissa a couple of days ago where she was asking about uploading pictures and documents to a site. And uh, I know you replied to this already, but you just want to kind of explain um, your possible solution kind of now with the service items and also just kind of where that's going towards. Yeah, so um, we first, way back when, Upload was kind of an afterthought. It went against activities. You can kind of tell, especially in five, because you have to save the activity first and then go to the uploads tab to upload the the image. It's a little cleaner in six, um, but it's still, you know, you can put images against an account, but then how do you find them later? Where do they go? What context were they in? You can upload images directly against orders, and that's a better home, right? There's an image tab. You can peruse your images for the order and so forth. But you can also upload images from your technician. And can you do it in mobile three or is it just technician? Uh, You can in mobile, yes. Okay. So um, you can upload images to service items. Now, if you don't know what service items are, they're items that you service within a site. So you have a site, which is the location or the property. Think of it as the residential home or the commercial property. And then you have service items, and these can be bedrooms or description of carpet or a piece of upholstery or an office or a conference room. Um, You can keep dimensions 
so that if you're doing things that are based off the square foot, you can easily calculate those, clump them together, they'll total everything up for you. Uh, but you can also do things that are really highly effective later, which is identifying what services you've applied to what service items. So you'll know how often you've cleaned that conference room, how many times you've laid protectant, how many times you've done the deep clean versus the you know, bonnet cleaning, whatever. So they're highly effective. They get, especially in the residential market, they really have a propensity to build your um, average invoice higher because you can convince Mrs. Jones that you haven't taken care of that front room in a while and you need to go hit that before... Uh, you know, things start crawling out of the carpet. Well, hopefully it's not getting to that point, but yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so images against sites directly, I think it's a good idea. We kind of technically have it against the service item since the service item is linked to the site, um, but we haven't given it the same love images has on orders, which we should definitely do. And to that end, right now, we don't charge you guys any extra for data storage. We just kind of let you do it. For the most part, most people don't store huge amounts of data. The pictures get sizable. There's some people who do videos, which I was surprised by. Um, but for the most part, uh, it's not too bad. I want to put things in the marketplace, though, which will allow you to use something like uh, Google Drive, right, or Bing Storage or you know whatever your, your flavor is, and then use that as your file service. Um, because we have it developed in a, in a way that you can pull those files from so many different places within the code on the fly. So it wouldn't be too difficult. And then we can give you extra storage that way. So that's kind of the long-term picture of pictures. Yep. Very cool. So as always, uh, thank you to our Smug users for their collaboration um, and for all that they do on that end. And with that, I think uh, we're ready for our next big event. And I think you wanted to kind of set up here just that little kind of segue. Yeah, so the feature focus segment. <laughs> um, so piggybacking on what we did last week, we kind of talked about fill my schedule, right? The importance of a direct mail program and client retention. Um you could see it as a pitch if you wanted to, but we really broke down how that whole program works, the copy, the intent, the time periods that you should be targeting. If we carry that over to this podcast, you can use the Service Monster Drip campaigns to do the Fill My Schedule eight-step program. And you can either do it as an email program or a direct mail program, which is pretty cool. So we want to kind of dive into drip campaigns, why you want to use them, why you care about them, um, what you could run into if you're not doing them correctly, some of the best practices that you should do when you're setting them up, and then we'll hand you over to um, different places where you can get training to figure out how to set up your own drip campaigns. And so for anyone who's wondering what a drip campaign means, we're talking about automation. Automation on the marketing front and those emails and so on that we send out, we set up to sit out certain times and they're ready to go. So Joe, why do we care about marketing automation? Well, let me start with horsepower. So when you're a single owner operator, you know, you get 50 or 60, maybe 70 hours a week if you want to keep a marriage together. Um, you learn very quickly how to do work when you're not at work. 
right, in your brain, and then you just come to work and implement some of the changes in your business. Those are the best places to work on your business as opposed to, you know, just pushing the wand. Um, I learned a long time ago, though, if I get five amazing employees, that's an additional 200 hours a week of horsepower. Like, my extra 10 or 20 hours is insignificant. It's a 10x on the extra time I'm burning, right? Automation is like hiring employees without the freaking payroll. <laughs> and I say that surrounded by employees. <laughs> so, but, but the deal is with uh, marketing automation, some of the tasks that were typically given to the office workers to make sure that certain things were getting done in terms of client retention can be set up in such a way where it's just done automatically. You can set up the fill my schedule email campaign to drip out to people based off their last invoice date and hit them a week later, hit them a month later, then three months, six, nine, 12, 15, 18, 24. You can just keep going too. And each one of those will have a special kind of content that they get delivered. And once you set it up, it's done. That's it. You'll never have to touch it. You know, you want some um, things in place so you know that things are still working once in a while. And we'll talk about that. But automating it, it's like a brand new employee that works 24-7 that is responsible for sending out communications to your clients. So automation is a big deal because you don't have time to wear every single flipping hat all the time and remember every little detail. Like, I, I get it, I know. So um, that's why I like it because once you set it up, it just kind of runs on its own. Now, not to take away any delusions or anything, you can set up an automated direct mail campaign too. And if you want them to get to the home by pushing a button, that program's called Fill My Schedule. But if you want the campaign to run automatically so that you can print out your labels and letters and then stuff your envelopes yourself, you would use the drip campaigns to do that. And then you would be prompted with the email of all the materials that you need once those run to go print and stamp and seal and ship those out. So that marketing automation is going to help you stay on top of your client retention programs and they can help you with your prospecting campaigns too, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So you mentioned uh, email, you mentioned the mail campaigns. Uh, do you want to touch a little bit too on the kind of call list, maybe kind of keeping track of just that activity reminder too? Yeah. So we have multiple kinds of campaigns, right? Um, call and export were the other two because there's four. There's also, if you're in the marketing campaigns, there's also lead source. So there's technically five campaign types, putting that in air quotes. Um, and that's four of them do work. And one of them is just to record the fact that you had lit, you know, flyers printed or that you hung door hangers or that you did a yellow page ad. You did, you don't really have do anything, right? The system, you're not asking the system to produce an output. You're just letting it know I did this marketing campaign. So you can track how much you spend, your ROI and all that stuff. The other four campaigns, the email campaign, that's obvious, direct mail campaign for letters and labels, Pretty cool. It lets you start your label wherever you want so you don't have end up with a million half sheets, right? <laughs> and then um, and you have your export campaign for use with third-party vendors. Maybe you want to upload that list to somebody else. Uh, fax campaign, if anybody does those anymore. You know, whatever. Ooh, like somebody else le email 
What's a fax? <clears throat> People used to market via fax. Crazy. Um, and then the call campaign, which is one of the favorites, because it generates a series of activities that are, hey, go call these people. And then you can use your activity panel that we talked about to process those calls quickly and easy. So you're going to go to your activity list, upper right-hand corner, there's an activities panel button, hit that, and that'll allow you to really fly through those calls, track your progress, all that kind of stuff. So those are the four campaign types, and you can automate all of those. So you can have them in the drip as events and outputs that uh, that happen. So we've already kind of mentioned the uh, client retention side of things, you know, the FMS eight-step program and similar. What are some other common use cases? What are some campaigns people can build that are actually going to help them? Yeah, so you've got um, – it's easiest to target your current clients because you already have the data. And so you can do things like the eight-step we talked about. Uh, you can do a thank you, right, post-job. Um you can push different products and services, right? If you get a new something new, let's say you add air duct cleaning, you can go after that. You can even use these filters. You can get pretty crazy targeting clients who, let's say, have pets and do a pet special. Um, I mean, you can get really crazy if you're tracking whether they have pets and maybe one of the animal's names, one of the pet names. You can address the output, the envelope, or the letter to the pet's name, which is kind of cool. Dear Sparky, not everything you do does your owner think is cute, right? You want to talk about an increased response rate, try addressing the letters to their pet, um, you know, to the pets. Oh, yeah, I know. Pet owners love that kind of cute stuff. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's right. And here's a mini sweater for your chihuahua. <laughs> That's right. Um, another good example, obviously, the whole other side of the coin of prospecting. And so you can buy, let's say, a list from InfoUSA. And if we want to talk about data sources, I guess maybe we can deep, deep dive into that in, in another day. But um, I would suggest InfoUSA. It's going to have the best data. Um, and upload that into ServiceMonster through our accounts upload utility then you can target those clients in your marketing or those prospects in your marketing campaigns. Uh, and assuming you picked up email addresses, send them out an email. If not, maybe generate a call campaign, an export campaign, or a direct mail campaign. Um, so it's you know very effective uh, for multiple uses. You can target zip code area. You can, you can do, I mean, there's just so many. There's so many filters. Don't get overwhelmed by that, though, guys. There's only a handful that you're really going to focus on. Last invoice date is a big one. Maybe invoice amount if you want to only send something out to people who spent more than you know 200 bucks last invoice. So different ways to use it, but very, very comprehensive. There's another one that people ask about. Um, a surprisingly large amount, actually, and kind of that newsletter, um, just kind of a branding, kind of current event kind of scenario, you know, similar to like with our updates on, on the show. And I remember, you know, when we were talking about the um, the Build Your Brand um, as far as like the book there and um, setting yourself up as the expert, you know, you don't always have to necessarily be selling someone to still be selling yourselves to them, right? Right. And so... This newsletter thing is a great way you can have that as long as you update the content, 
you just have that running at set times let them know we've got new things you know here's what i do here's some tips and tricks things like that content is king in that process though right because the way i would set that up is just everybody who has a freaking email address in your database you want to be unless they say don't send me stuff again which again service monster will put on the bottom right a little unsubscribe which we then you know feedback so um they won't once they unsubscribe they won't be sent that again even if they aren't necessarily marked that in our system and then you can mark them in our system to your heart's content make sure your rules are um filters are there for do not email but that would be it and then the content that you'd have to produce i'd make sure you're producing you know unless you get on a rhythm like we do here because we have people dedicated to creating content, um, then I would suggest queuing it up, like creating content like six months ahead of time and then just staying ahead of that schedule. And then those emails can go out once a month to your entire base. So yeah, another good use of a drip campaign. Um, Although you could just do it, right? You could set up the campaign and then just click run Yep, and then just do it, so. And I think you just kind of touched on that. And so it's a perfect kind of segue into some of the dangers of automation. And you already kind of touched on the do not contact. So let's kind of go more in depth on that, just avoiding spam in general. And then some of other of those dangers of automation, like you said, staying ahead of the content trip. So yeah, spam's getting more and more. I mean, it has for the last 10 years. We've been watching this evolution of the tightening of spam. Not only are email companies applying filters, to keep emails with certain keywords out or from bad acting domains. Um, But they're also very strict on some of the key elements. Like number one, you can't email people if you hadn't obtained the email legitimately. Like they, they didn't give it to you. If you screen scraped it, which, you know, we used to do in 04, no longer allowed. Can't do it. Okay, cool. Um, You have to, you can communicate call or email anybody you've done business with and the last time i looked at the stat it was like within six months and if they owe you money then all bets are off right collections have their own set of rules when somebody owes you money but if you adhere to that in addition to the you've got to have your address at the bottom of the invoice or uh, bottom of the email which we encourage you to to put that info in there um then you're you're going to be adhering to those spam laws, but just buying email lists and then sending out emails for solicitation, that's going to get you in trouble, or that's going to get the pipeline in trouble, like our at the global SMTP service monster email pipeline, and then we got to go chase it out, shut you down, explain to the authority that you know we have a global kind of what everybody uses it type of a thing uh, and then encourage you guys to get on your own SMTP services like through Google which is free as long as you're not sending out more than what 500 a day I think yeah usually it's about 500 yeah and so that do not contact the unsubscribe is another big one that kind of ties in from the flip side from like the uh, the customer's point of view because if you get spam like you're actually legally required to allow them to unsubscribe yeah and so um, just kind of touch on that really quick on service monster side um, with our server or with their own yeah I mean with your own um, you, you just got to make sure you're applying that with ours I think our SMTP service is what applies the unsubscribe portion yeah. of the functionality yeah the unsubscribe is there by default uh, if you use your own, we have a link you can set up that'll kind of bounce back to you. 
Oh, right. So, that, yeah. So uh, you mentioned, I don't know, five minutes ago at this point, uh, some fail-safe and some things you can, can do there. So another kind of danger is making sure that your content is being received, that you know you don't have formatting errors or things like that. Right. So, so I strongly suggest you testing you know, any piece of content, any new piece of content through the test pipeline, making sure that you receive the email yourself and you got your eyeballs on it and it looks good. I would suggest that you have yourself in your database as a customer or an account and that you at least are in the drip campaigns you want to monitor and and triggering those ahead of time to kind of make sure everything looks the way you want it to um, makes my heart sink. You know, when you send something out and I'm, we did it early, early in the days using early tools like Excel to mash together a message, mail merge message, and then send out a thousand emails. And I'm 500 deep to find out that one of my mail merge tags didn't merge. Oh no. And so it's like, bracket dear sir bracket or bracket first name bracket we've all received those right because everybody early in their marketing days make those types of mistakes so you want to make sure that there's nothing like that in there because it's hard to to send out another one now i will say this joe polish used to use a double email technique where he'd intentionally put some sort of uh false flag information in the first email and then follow it up with one like 10 or 15 minutes later oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to or i made a mistake or you know whatever the the excuse is to hit you twice and and make it seem like there's a sense of urgency because they did something wrong or let out too much information um i've seen that tactic used it's kind of shitty but (laughs) oh yeah no that uh see that in the dating world sometimes too <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> so yeah, so um, making sure you're in those lists, you're reviewing those content, you know, all that content on a regular basis. I think that's critical because you can right, you can let it automate, and it'll automate wrong. And the next thing you know, you get a call from Mrs. Jones, and she's like, "You know what? For the past seven days, every day in a row, you've sent me the same email." Will you please stop? And you can actually start to piss people off through this being too automated, right? Sending out too many emails, too much communication. It's about value content. If you're sending out stuff that they find valuable, that they find interesting or educational or inspiring or, you know, uh, you've persuaded them somehow. If you send out good content, they'll be lenient with you. Uh, But if you're not sending out great content, it's all ads and, you know, look what I can do and it's all about you. And you send that and you make a mistake. Oh, man, there's hell to pay. So you've got to be paying attention when you automate things. Yes, you don't need the employee anymore. But, man, once a week or once a month, you should be checking to make sure everything's working the way you expect it to. To change that oil sometimes, right? I wouldn't know about that either. <laughs> I'm so bad at changing my oil. <laughs> Holy crap. Had to go there, huh? Yeah. I didn't realize, but uh, <laughs> when the oil light comes on, that's usually when it's uh, a little bit too Time late. to pour some oil in it and keep going. <laughs> yeah. That's what you do in the Hondas. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So just from kind of like a, a training standpoint, I just kind of wanted to go through a couple of really – common questions kind of just go back and forth like the you know how do i track my campaigns so we have you know a report it's literally built around your campaigns you can see they've come in you know this is all based on the lead source side which gets maybe a little bit confusing but you already mentioned you know 
outside campaigns versus the ones within. Yeah, yeah. So let's just touch on this real quick. So all of these campaigns, whether you set them up through Drip or you just go into the marketing section, you set up an email, export, direct mail, or call campaign, or a lead source, they're all available to select as a lead source on your work orders and accounts. And if you don't know why they're both there, pay attention to another podcast. We'll deep dive into that too. Um, it's it's We're one of the only companies who does it, and it's really, really necessary for effectively tracking lead sources for repeat business. So you're just not marking clients as repeat, like we could imports from everywhere, right? It's always repeat. So what was I talking about? <laughs> just <laughs> talking about the campaign results. And like, yeah, so lead source. So setting the lead source um, on accounts and work orders, you can set it to any one of those campaign types that you've created, whether you've created them through Drip or not. So then having that, you can tie into ROI, effectiveness, those kinds of things. So, okay, so there you go. And so, yeah, with that one report, I mean, you can literally see how effective your campaign is. And you can also see literally every transaction this runs, no matter how you set it up. It can run daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, you know, every 10 years, whatever you want it to be. And, uh, you know, you can track every transaction that happens. And so you can do that on the actual campaign that you build. So if you're worried about seeing that, you know, all of that information is tracked. It's all at, at the tip of your fingertips. Yeah, it's incredibly easy to track how well and effective your campaigns are doing if you're transactional. And if you listen to me for any length of time, you realize I, I coach not being transactional. So if you run one campaign and there's results from that campaign and you pick up the phone and you get jobs and, and that's it, it'll track that very well. If you're doing brand building properly, the client should see you eight or 10 times in different places. And so that where did you hear about us gets a little fuzzy, but I still implore you to ask for it and then write down what they say, because that's the thing that's top of mind. But know that they've seen you in five other places if you're doing your job. Yeah, I mean, just really think about some of like the really, you know, successful brands out there. I mean, there's a reason why Coke still runs ads every two minutes, I swear, or like why there's car commercials every single football game, right? It's because everyone knows who Coke is, but they're still getting out there in front of them just everywhere you can see it. That's right. Um, and then really, I think the the big kind of crux of this and the biggest hurdle people have is the hurt is the filters themselves so there's so many of them how to break them down and i think you said it best earlier listen there's a huge filter list they're for very specific things but you're going to be able to focus on a few of these main ones that are going to solve your initial kind of filtering out and then as you get more of an expert you can kind of dive in and so i always say when i'm training ask who am I trying to target? Just ask yourself that. Who do I want to receive this? You know, is it literally every prospect or is it, you know, based on a certain service type? Is it based on a certain area, you know, a city, a zip code, whatever that Length might be. from last service. How long have they, yep, maybe yeah. the, an average invoice like you mentioned. Right. And so you ask that first, then kind of work back from there. And those filters will make sense the second you ask that. Then we're asking the time period, you know, that's where that invoice date acquisition date, uh, estimate date, things like that start to come into play because we're trying to just figure out how long has it been since we did this? Well, that's interesting too, because you have date, which is length of time from a specific event that's variable in the database. But then you also have date based off 
variable, right? Because you can literally track their birth date and then create a campaign to send them an email on their birthday. Yep. Right. Um, so that's that win. In that case, their win, what we call a predicate, uh, their win predicate is going to be based off the date that the services ran compared to the birth date that you've recorded. And that's really when you start to see some of the power of what you can do just from custom fields and just regular tracking in the system. So, and then the flip side of the date question is how often should I be checking to send these? You know, like FMS, we oftentimes they'll send it out just like a monthly batch, right? Just everyone in a certain time period. And it's really going to kind of depend on what is being sent. You know, thank you. You don't want to wait for a month to grow by and then, all right, everyone who's had the thank you, blast them all the month later. You, know, you want to thank them pretty soon after the work's done. So you had those, they can check every single day. The system can literally set it up so the system will send every day. And it's depending on your workload too, right? So if you don't, let's say you set up a calendar where you're like, Mondays are my in-office days. Like I don't schedule cleaning. I just, you know, I do cleaning Tuesday through Saturday, let's say, and on Monday, that's just my office day. So you can set those up to run early in the morning on Mondays. And if there's work associated with it, like uh, printing and stuffing and so forth, um, they'd be ready for you to go on that Monday and then you can batch them together. So it's that kind of that game, like how soon can I get it to them? Um, what's the effectiveness of getting it to them sooner rather than later? And then what's my workflow look like so that I can batch together the process? That's why we do fulfill my schedule weekly thank yous because it's relatively sensitive. We want to get them out quickly. Uh, but then the reminders are all monthly because we want to batch together as much as we can because it reduces the cost. Just as simple as that. So playing with those dates and kind of figuring out what, you know, what what do you want to be responsible for handling and knowing what goes when. I'll tell you what, you do it weekly as opposed to monthly and you'll send out a fourth every time. And so when a screw up happens, which occasionally will, you forget a phone number or something, then it's a very small, much smaller group of people that were affected. So that's another case for keeping the batches small. It's also a case too, like you mentioned with the kind of your workflow. If you set up a call list and it's running like a three month list versus, you know, like a bi-weekly, you're going to walk in that day and you're going to have a whole lot of activities. Yeah, 250 calls. Oh, <laughs> crap. It's going to take me a week to get through these. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I think really if you start with those those simple filters, I mean, we can't really, you know, it's, you know, it's like you said, it's, it's a podcast. So we're not going to put up a visual and right. walk through the whole process. Yeah, well, this isn't a training video. But we have a lot of these things set up. We do to help you guys you know, be able to use this. So if you're interested, um, let's just kind of go through all of these things. We have our webinar website. We literally have webinars strictly for marketing. It's and you be, talk about drip campaigns. I, yep. Drip campaigns, the filter process. Get on that marketing webinar, guys. We have help videos that are kind of shorter. They're more targeted to specific things. Still, still with Stephanie, yes. Yep, with Stephanie. <laughs> and... We have our wonderful support staff here. You know, if you call in with a quick question, maybe you want them to double check your call, filters. chat, email, whatever your flavor. And we have an article that goes over all of these filters, and we'll actually attach this here on the the video link. But just so you can understand those filters. You know, our whole help site has that on there, and so 
understanding the filters will help you be more successful. I think once you remove that initial fog of war and you kind of get it, that like like you said, natural uh, English questions to yourself, who am I trying to target, write that down, and then match that up with the filters. And you'll forget stuff too, like you should be looking at do not email or do not call if you're creating a call list or an email list. Um, maybe you wanna, if you're doing a direct mail list, you wanna make sure you have a zip code in a city at least, so the damn thing's mailable, right? So little things like that you'll learn over time. But as long as you're not duplicating the list and sending out duplicate content, you really can't go wrong, right? You, Otherwise, your content's messed up. That's a big thing. I, I get that. But as far as like making sure things are going out or when to send them or how to filter, I think you'll be okay if you just start playing with it. And then once that fog of war clears, then you can start actually, you know, wake up in the middle of the night like, oh, I can, I can totally send out. Enter crazy campaign type here. Yeah, we actually had a nice email from Don six weeks ago now, where that's exactly what was happening. She would wake up and another idea would pop up, and she was just <laughs> so excited to get to work because she actually really just wanted to try something new. And could implement it, yeah. See what happens. All right. That's everything I've got, Joe. Well, thanks so much for joining us and your attention. Join us on Fridays on Facebook at 3 o'clock for a live stream, uh, minus today, of course. Um, you can see us on YouTube and all the different podcast platforms. We would encourage you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And until next time, be safe. Happy Friday, everyone. See you next week.